1: Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. So the 65th annual Grammys have come and gone, and it was a little bit of a rocky ride this year. A great album, Harry's House by Harry Styles, won Album of the Year, but that meant that Beyoncé's Renaissance did not win Album of the Year. And Rolling Stone, for instance, ranked Renaissance as the number one Album of the Year. And it's not just about this year. Beyoncé just became the most honored artist in the history of the Grammys, but the voters will not give her album of the year. They didn't give it to her self-titled album from 2013. They didn't give it to Lemonade. And now they didn't give it to Renaissance. So it's clearly a pattern at this point, And some fans are understandably upset about it. And so again, it's not just about this year. It's certainly not about Harry Styles. We wanted to talk about that. And we also wanted to look at the ups and downs of the ceremony. And to do that, I'm lucky enough to have on hand our friends Brittany Spanos and Rob Sheffield. What's wrong with the Grammy voters? Brittany, what's your theory? Why will they not give Beyonce album of the year?
0: I don't know if you both read the article that Variety does every year. They interview some of the the anonymous Grammy voters. And it seems like they just still have this bias. What a concept of like real artistry is. I think for Beyonce, they use the example of her using so many producers and songwriters on there and how that's not real music and I think it just seems like they have never really refreshed the voter pool for it they haven't really diversified it but there seems to be an idea and a misunderstanding of what real music is or the idea of authenticity in music and Beyonce does not fit into that still even this far into her career and so it seems like there's a lot of that that comes against her that was brought up a lot during Lemonade era and every other album the idea that she uses so many songwriters and producers which is all like sampling and what is it's that clearly does not make bad music and does not make inauthentic music there still seems to be like an authenticity issue with how people perceive her at least at the grammy committee
1: i think you're right i think that is part of it i think there is an embedded racism and sexism when people think about who makes the albums that are the kind of albums that should win album of the year in some of the minds of these people. I think listen, there's a large Nashville contingent. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of people who just aren't who people might imagine who Grammy voters are. There's so many jazz musicians. There's so many people who are from other worlds and yeah, and I think they see twenty songwriters on a song and they don't realize it's this like amazing intertextual process of sampling and collaboration, all led by Beyonce. And instead, they just see in their minds, they see some kind of manufactured product, which just really isn't the case. And it is a level of sort of education and comprehension that doesn't seem to be there in addition to the aforementioned bias. And it's just kind of a mess. I know they've been working on the voter base. I think they probably need to take another look a more aggressive look at it the way the Oscars have been doing.
2: This particular award, it's not specifically Beyoncé. It's a Strange Award Album of the Year. It's It has a long, strange history, going back to when it was invented. It's strange, sort of Frankenstein's monster of an award assembled by different voting blocks. And it's something that, really, for a week every year after the ceremony, people marvel at the institution of the Grammy Album of the Year. It's always been strange and this is just a particularly strange case for sure
1: it is true if you tried to go through the history of popular music over the last 50 years or so and tried to do it by going by the album of the year chosen by the grammys you would have a pretty <laughs> fucked up idea of what the history of popular <laughs> music is. They have not they're not exactly known for getting this category right.
2: The Grammy voters have no real no real expertise in general in terms of selecting albums of the year. It's not a great track record. It's a pretty comical track record in a lot of ways, and this is just a particular pattern that the Grammys just institutionally just aren't addressing
0: even looking at the you know we're going to talk about it a little bit more in depth later but the 50th anniversary of hip-hop tribute and performance that happened and that was just a parade to of artists who not only transformed and completely molded music over the last 50 years but have been historically ignored by the grammys who never really got
2: their due at the times that they should have something that's always weird about the grammys album of the year is people look for it to be something That's basically the opposite of what it is. It's not an indicator of what was going on in popular music in a particular year. It's not a cultural history. They're not music critics. Rolling Stone's album of the year was Renaissance. Rolling Stone takes this seriously. Rolling Stone thinks about music history and about what's going on in music and how music evolves over time. And that's something the Grammy voters have never pretended to do. And if you look at the Grammy winners of (laughs) album of the year over the year, it just seems preposterous that people would hope for it to be some kind of cultural barometer that it's it, that it's never been and as britney said there are entire genres of pop music that have been just driving pop music over over recent decades that just aren't even part of the history of the album of the
1: year we've talked about this before which is in the 90s it was just i think universally accepted that the grammys were always going to get everything wrong and let's not even care if natalie Cole's going to win album of the year cool whatever there was that sort of signature Gen X attitude of total surrender and indifference and i think it's just increasingly first with millennials and then with Gen Z it's this it's this absolute demand that no you're going to get this right or we're going to keep haranguing you until you do. And I think that's a better attitude. And so I think that's why there is that expectation of this is this better have some cultural significance because we're not going to settle for this being wrong every year, even though (laughs) it keeps being wrong every year. (laughs) I mean, if Beyonce hadn't been snubbed so many times in the past, this wouldn't be as big a deal. She could just lose and it'd be like, okay, she lost this year. But the problem is it's this cumulative effect. And I love that she was quote unquote held up by traffic. I I feel like it was possibly a little bit of, I'll leave when I'm ready (laughs) because I know how they, I know, what they do i know how they are i'm pretty sure so i think that was nicely done actually um but i mean lastly maybe the two of you can put this in some context harry styles you're in a tough position when you get up and you're a very good album wins but all anyone's thinking about is Beyonce being snubbed and uh you know it's tough for adele it's tough for anyone in that position and then Harry almost didn't say it. He was almost about to push it over, over to his collaborators. And then he said a thing that he's known for saying. It wasn't the first time he said it. It's a thing he says. Is things like this don't happen to people like me very often. And, you know, ill-advised in the moment, he meant something in a very Harry context. People connected it to him being a white man and saying actually things like this happen to people like you <laughs> like pretty, pretty damn often. But that's not what he was saying. Maybe you can kind of like translate the Harry ease back to English for us.
0: He says it every night at his concerts. Like it's part of that. It's just representing how far he's come as a musician and where he's come from. Obviously it was not the right place for that quote. <laughs> it just didn't fit well with the sort of anger cycle. A lot of fans have theorized he just genuinely was not anticipating this win. I think people talk shit about artists not being surprised when they win a big award, but it did seem like he was very genuinely shocked that he took this home. And so I'm sure that he maybe he didn't have it as prepared. This is again like he's this is something he says at his, at his shows that sort of represents his roots and where he's come from and like the trajectory of his career from being kind of from just like the way that he's come up is such an unusual way in pop music to get to this point where you do win album of the year and get this type of accolade. I think it obviously in the context of everything and the anger cycle that I'm sure is was not anticipated either for a multitude of reasons. I think that it obviously did not fit well into that moment.
1: I watched it again knowing that and he just he blurted it. When you say something on stage every night, it becomes part of your sort of conversational repertoire. And it just came out of his yeah. mouth
0: in the context of the concerts. Like it is very meaningful phrase and does mean a lot to the fans that are there. But again, like I don't think he anticipated what the bigger kind of cycle of anger and just backlash of this win. It's such a tough position to be in. Cause it's, this is, I thought like the category itself this year is so strong and there's so many excellent albums that were represented in this category in a way that you don't always see every year in album of the year and they all were really deserving and it did really feel like Beyoncé's year and obviously Harry had such a massive year himself and is very deserving of this moment but it just sucks to see how everyone has misplaced the blame onto the artist who wins and a very obviously not anticipating it versus the greater Sort of problems that are rooted further than that.
1: I don't think Harry traveled back in time and took lemonade, took the lemonade Grammy out of Beyonce's hands. So it's not Harry's yeah. fault. It
0: wasn't Adele's fault. It wasn't Beck's fault. It wasn't Taylor's fault. These all, all these artists won over Beyonce in the past. They didn't choose to win the award. This was a voted on by an academy that is it's just. It's not. I don't know. It's just a poorly functioning system.
1: It just clearly takes on a deeper symbolic thing of just this magnificent Black woman, fantastic artist being overlooked again and again and again. It just, it really hits deep emotions, understandably. This many times of her being snubbed, if I were her, I probably wouldn't submit after that, like other artists have done.
0: I think it also, it feeds into the idea of a lot of artists feeling used by the ceremony too. Wanting to have the pop artists who have huge audiences and bring in viewership. To, to be there, but also to not be seen as respected in their fields. I think that was brought up a lot too. It like, of course, Beyonce didn't perform. Why would she perform after the expectation of it and the big deal that they made of how many awards that she's gotten over the years and her being the most awarded artist in Grammy history. But she's only one. One award in that entire time in the the big four category. It's surreal.
1: Anyway, the whole night, the vibes, I thought there were some really great moments in the ceremony, but as a whole, I think we agreed the vibes were off. No one could get their lines out (laughs) for some reason. Every single person who went up to introduce something screwed up one line or another, weird energy. It was almost like one of those nights where someone died right before the ceremony and everyone has to slog through, but no one died except the vibes. It just, something was wrong from the beginning. Trevor Noah didn't know where he was. He was standing right in front of Taylor Swift talking. Then he walked away from Taylor Swift and then he goes, Taylor Swift's in the house tonight. Where is she? She was right in front of you. Do you not know what Taylor Swift (laughs) looks like? Trevor Noah. I knew from that moment that this evening was doomed. And then we had, I'm sure Harry doesn't quite know what hit him after that night. The freaking carousel. (laughs)
2: for his performance
1: turns out to have been running the wrong way how do you deal with that was that not
2: visible during the show because it seemed during the show that that was very visible and it was only and it was kind of surprising to hear after the show that people didn't realize there was a malfunction it was a very scary moment when he looked like he was going to get thrown by that contraption off the stage
0: couldn't really clock what was going on because he seemed so just disoriented in a way that he doesn't uh, like obviously that's such like a high energy song and he performs every, obviously every night. There's an energy level that he always has with that song that he just seemed really disoriented at first and to find out what happened later like like just like really, just really sucks for that to happen because it obviously, yeah, it seemed very terrifying for everyone
1: involved. They looked like they were just standing there and holding on for dear life. Honestly. Yeah. It was a train wreck. It was a total train wreck. And no Rob, a lot of people did not figure that out, they thought it was just a bad performance.
2: <laughs> like the idea that could possibly happen. <laughs> Vibes are really weird. It went back to being an award show this year. They went back to the, it's no longer the Staples Center. It's now the crypto.com arena, which sounds <laughs> like a joke from Silicon Valley or something. <laughs> it's strange. They went back to a big suffocating arena. The energy was totally gone. It's strange because the last two Grammys, it seemed like they'd cracked the code of how to do the perfect Grammy show, which is just take out all the dippy scripted banter, take out all the pre-taped time-wasting comedy bits and just have it all be about live performances right there in the room. No moving stages, no technological disasters waiting to happen. It seemed like they really streamlined the Grammys the past couple of years and made it all about live music. And this year they decided not to do it. Hard to even imagine why they had the running pre-taped bit with the fans talking, which was just a humiliating disaster. God, and, that was uh, awful. It sucked all the energy out of the broadcast. I hope next year they do it more like they did the past couple of years, where it's focused entirely on live performances, because that's what the Grammys actually does well. Choosing the awards? Maybe not what the Grammys does. Maybe not why people tune in. <laughs> I don't think people tune in to see who wins the awards. People tune in to see these artists perform and to see these artists in the moment. Lizzo's yeah. performance was so great, but Lizzo's speech is such a pure statement of what being a music fan is all about.
0: Beyoncé, who! In the fifth grade, I skipped school to see you perform. <laughs> my sister, she got me out of school. It was literature, I'm good. You changed my life. You sang that gospel medley and the way you made me feel. I was like, I want to make people feel this way with my music. So thank you so much. You clearly are the artist of our lives.
1: I love you. God bless y'all. We got a fucking Grammy.
2: When she talked about Prince, when she talked about Beyonce, and it was wild that Lizzo's speech had more of those moments than most of the music performances last because it was yeah. just in such a suffocating environment.
0: Lizzo's speech and Kim Petrus' speech, like, those are the two highlights for me. Just having to go through that slog of the roundtable, which is just so, that was so brutal. The idea of it, right, was, like, so sweet in essence of the idea of having people talk about what this artist means to them. Some of the video packages were very charming, and I just love anyone having to claim that they're a huge Coldplay fan on national television. Also. Yeah, they really took one for the team. But yeah, I just, that the round table just really fed off of some really like weird, it felt like a Tyra episode, it just kind of <laughs> was like a weird, let's like pit these fans against each other, but like they couldn't really, they didn't want to go to reality show, 2000s reality show, so they were like, what if we just have them like lightly be like, oh, but what if my artist won? Which is just so stupid. This isn't the replies on Pop PopCrate, calm down. <laughs>
1: It was like, what if Twitter was in person, but a thousand times cringier? Whenever they started even gently arguing with each other, it was just, it was the cringiest. Like, fans of different people shouldn't talk to each other. (laughs) Fan bases should keep to themselves. Fan bases clashing against each other is always the worst thing. The worst thing.
2: When they brought those out so early, it was a sense, there was a sense the first hour of the show, there were only three live performances, and that was the complete opposite of how they've had this show the past two years, the whole idea was such an award show cliche and the kind of thing that we thought that the Grammys had finally figured out how to do the show without. It brought back memories of James Corden riding the subway with Sting and Shaggy. When they used to put bits like that in the show for people who don't like music. And it's, why not just have people doing music? And it filtered into the really, like, unexpectedly and unwelcomely uh, ornate production numbers during the show, which were really far from the sort of performances that they had the past couple of years. Apart from Harry doing as it was on this sort of spinning circle that was threatening to throw him and his dancers off (laughs) the stage, like compared to his performance of Watermelon Sugar a couple of years ago where he was just like standing there with his band and doing the song, that part of it was like, there was a sense of like, why is it necessary to from the musical performances with so many of the world's greatest performers all in one room?
1: The best thing that happened at the Grammys was Sam Smith and Kim Petras performing and then so easily triggering the right
0: wing and
2: you
1: I did appreciate that it's incredible that these people are still so easy to trigger with a li- just throw in a little devil imagery mm-hmm. and they'll reliably just actually freak out it's the, yeah. the fact that this medieval mentality still prevails so good every year they should have a devil performance just to someone should dedicate <laughs> their entire performance to satan just to upset these people i'm all for it just
0: a little satanism as a treat
1: as a treat yeah, yeah, yeah just as a treat
2: <laughs> absolutely yeah that was not one of the better 80s flashbacks of the night but as uh, Brittany, as you were saying that speech that Kim made was so beautiful. And something that you pointed out was just Sam Smith, acclaimed blockbuster performer, just giving Kim the space to to make that statement on her own was just so beautiful, so empathetic.
0: And for Kim to give so much credit to other trans artists that have preceded her, that have been her friends. Obviously, she paid such beautiful tribute to Sophie, which was such an important thing to do.
1: The one performance where the big production values really seemed to pay off was at the very beginning was Bad Bunny, Great.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It had so yeah. much energy. I think I don't know. I thought that performance was incredible.
2: Yeah, was I incredible. love that. It really set think- a high standard that the rest of the show was not gonna meet. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because I think having everyone in the little tables and everything, what was fun about that, too, is when as they all progressively got extremely wasted in the audience, like everyone was just kind of dancing to everything, like all the audience shots were just everyone like getting up and to have that start from the beginning and be the end result of four hours of the biggest musicians in the world getting really drunk to see taylor swift merengue with the dancers and to see everyone just like get on their feet immediately and have such a good time with that like only bad bunny can do that at the top of the show and really get everyone to like dance like that and get so hyped like that he just was i mean he's just like incredible i love bad bunny and i was just so happy that he was like the one to open that
1: he had the first spanish language album ever to get nominated for album of the year and while that also is shows a shortfall in the past that's also that's amazing and i think he, he it, that performance meant a lot and symbolized a lot but beyond just just the actual songs he was doing And I thought the other moment I think we all agreed was something that really had very little to do with the Grammys at all. It was almost an entirely different show within the show was the 50 years of hip hop thing, which was I just wanted that for two and a half hours. Honestly, I want them to do a TV special that is that expanded because that was I can't tell you exactly why I teared up when salt and Pepper came on, but I did.
0: (laughs) I got really emotional when Queen Latifah came on. Don't know why. Like I was just like start, I was like I just like love seeing Queen Latifah perform like oh, at so any point great. like I was just thrilled like I was just happy, <laughs> but the, the yeah it was thing, so good
1: it was she magnificent was and I think Questlove put it together right they yeah. delegated it to delegate yeah just give, give more
0: the whole things show to Questlove. to Questlove oh my give god the whole show to him let him take over next year I think a two hour yeah. version
2: of this or a one hour version of this would not flag at all it was over way too soon it was unbelievable mm-hmm. how fast paced it was. All the moving parts, all the different artists pitching in. That sort of wide-scale collaboration was just breathtaking and was so hip-hop, it's impossible to imagine any other genre doing wide-range collaboration like that, where everything depends on everybody hitting their moment and passing the mic. And that's the essence of hip-hop in so many ways. And it was so incredibly beautiful to have so many people collaborating on that level. I was really blown away when, as soon as salt and Pepper appeared and they were doing, my mic sounds nice. And I was like, holy shit! You know, they're not doing push it. They're not doing right. Let's talk about sex. They're not even doing I'll take your man. They're doing Mike. Mike sounds nice. I need. D. D. Oh,
1: yeah. Don't need-
2: it was so mind blowing that Rakim was doing Eric B. as president. That Run DMC were doing King of Rock. I, we're talking about Rakim, who is someone who is just jaw dropping legacy of artistry. So many songs to pick from, and that like. First early street level single was the one. It really set the tone for the performance.
1: I don't bug out of chill, will be, be acting chill, ill. No tricks Ill, in '86. It's time to build. Eric, be easy on the cut. Ill. No mistakes allowed. Cuz to me,
2: MC. that was pretty early on in the performance. But it served notice that they were not going to slow down this high-speed hip-hop celebration to explain anything. That they were just going to tell the story at this pace and keep going at this level for as long as they did, it was just really just shocking in terms of stagecraft, in terms of just the intricacies of putting it together. Just honestly, to see Run DMC on an award show and to know that Aerosmith are not going to be coming on to ruin it, <laughs> was just mind-blowing in <laughs> itself. Really I had that just- exact
1: thought. Are they allowed to perform on TV without Aerosmith? Is- is it-,
2: <laughs> it was incredible. It-, it was like, okay, this is serious. They're really going to get this right. Yeah. And before you know it, when they had Scarface doing mind playing tricks on me, I was oh like, my God. this is mind, like, all, basically like just the sheer trust in hip hop to tell its own story in this detail and for this length was just mind blowing. And this is like one of the greatest Grammy moments of all time, as far as I'm concerned, one of the greatest live performances ever on the Grammy. And yeah. As far as I'm concerned, just one of the greatest moments that's ever happened at the Grammys. I just I think
1: one of the greatest musical performances on TV in history. Actually, I would say it was that good. Uh, and it underscores Rob what you're saying, which is that the Grammy ceremony has an opportunity to be its own great TV show that is really separate from the Grammy Awards, which are separate. The people who make the Grammy TV show have never to restate the obvious for the millionth time. They don't have any control over the awards. All they can do is make a TV show. So to pull in moments that are just great TV that literally have nothing to do with the Grammy Awards, but have to do with music, the things the Grammys are celebrating, that's more of what probably needs to be done yeah. and that was really great and it only kind of underscored some of the uh, the shittier moments to
2: me that was the grammys at its best and also it's what the grammys does that's what the grammys is all about it's we talk about this a lot but the grammys it's not about the awards nobody really cares about the awards nobody really takes the awards seriously and as a cultural history or as a musical history
1: but you know what rob in- i think every Grammy show would be better served if we could have you come out in a tuxedo before the awards and just be like hi i'm rob sheffield I just want to remind you that the Grammys have never gotten a single award right. Basically, (laughs) these awards are a joke. And then list all the ones that got wrong. Just please ignore the awards. Just watch the show. And I think that would work. I'm going to propose this to Ben Winston.
2: (laughs) Trevor Noah last year, like genius line to begin the show. He said, don't even think of this as an award show. This is just a concert where we give out awards. And... That was really what the grammys that's what made the grammys great the past couple of years this show could have used more of that spirit for sure but the hip-hop tribute and it went on it, this was like 15 minutes mm-hmm. Questlove was saying that it was originally supposed to be 22 minutes and they cut it down to a tight 15 uh. but it was absolutely unbelievable that this was happening on live network tv it was just inspirational and triumphant on every level and i loved also at the end the flex everybody did on stage everybody could tell that they like just made this absolute miracle of artistry happen and everybody was so proud it was so exciting
1: and there are plenty of other good performances brandy carlisle was great as always i do think brandy's one of those artists i've said this before who the grammys may love too much but she she's spectacular and i love people who are like there was no rock on the show it's oh does that not count as rock because it was like a queer woman playing it like why was that not rock in what sense was that not rock
2: It was really weird that none of the Best New Artists were performing. And that was like a huge failure of the show is that, you know, Samara Joy won for Best New Artist and was like, oh, wow, a jazz singer just won Best New Artist. She would be nice to hear her sing. And that part of the Grammys for, and especially since there were so many major stars who were laughably nominated for Best New Artist, like Lato and Anita and... Omar Apollo it was really a blown opportunity not to have those artists perform live. They could
1: have at least had a medley from going from yeah. Omar Apollo to wet leg would have been amazing.
2: Style were in the house. Turnstile were in the building. And I think like when they people They were there. Said,
1: put turnstile on the harry styles turnstile
2: <laughs> yes harry did a wet leg song on the bbc he did wet dream and it was phenomenal would have loved to hear them play together yeah the de-emphasis on live music that really like that was really noticeable when really near the end of the show olivia rodrigo came out to give the best new artist award and it was like oh wow here's all these great artists it would have been great to hear some of them even just a minute of them on the ceremony
1: does chris stapleton like own part of the grammys why is he he would he did tom petty's death tribute for some reason and then he's up there singing higher ground for absolutely no reason like zero conceivable reason that could have been anyone on earth doing that or not or just stevie and Smokey. and then chris stapleton plays one of the few guitar solos of the night, an absolute dog shit guitar solo that then was so bad that it knocked even Stevie off his musical game. He was playing some sort of instrument that no one's figured out what it was, but he didn't see it. He found the one instrument in the world that Stevie Wonder doesn't know how to play. And he decided to play it at the Grammys and Stevie Wonder hitting clunkers. It doesn't happen every night. But it was the uh, least I of,
2: of the problems in that bungled Motown It was really weird. Front thing. Okay. If you're doing a Motown tribute, you might want to mention that Lamont Dozier just died and so did Barrett Strong and that these are fairly Mm. major figures. When their names came up in memoriam and it was like, yeah, it's a little sloppy that they got left out of the Motown tribute, it was only afterwards that I read, there's no way any of the TV audience would know this, that it was officially a tribute to Smokey Robinson and Barry Gordy being the music care's honoree for person of the year. It really could have hit the Smokey song catalog if the premise for the Motown tribute was to honor Smokey, and it was absurd that they didn't go into the smoky catalog at all, especially in a room full of people who would have been honored to sing a part of a, a smoky song. It was like completely strange that it was just this muddled jam. With Chris Stapleton, he did great with the rotten job they gave him to do. Chris now,
1: I'm going to continue blaming the whole thing on Chris. <laughs> <laughs> they had Chris Stapleton choose all the songs. It's all Chris Stapleton's fault. It,
2: it wasn't at all clear on TV why as soon as it began with a, a really unfortunate speech from Billy Crystal. He's definitely like the universal signifier of award show that has really decided to be an award show. But you mean when heard.
1: he said that Rock Around the Clock started everything for everyone in that room?
2: Yeah, that was an impressive call, right? Yeah,
1: that was amazing. The wrongest musical history I've ever heard is, especially when you think about. I said
0: it so confidently. So
1: confidently, especially you, Bad Bunny. <laughs> the, this song that didn't even start everything for rock and
2: roll Bad started Bunny everything for be you.
0: Here yeah, yeah. With rock around
2: clock. Let's face it's it. None so of, corny. Yes. Oh my um, god. And going into and in the Stevie Wonder, a guy who is on the Grammys every year is awesome on the Grammys every year. And that he began in this really confused, clunky way in terms of like call, t- asking the musicians if they were ready to do this. The musicians who were seemed a little confused about why it was happening. Really, it was a very unusual, sloppy way to begin the Motown tribute that I think was supposed to be a Smokey tribute. And maybe they decided that Smokey wasn't famous enough to merit it. So they made it a Smokey slash Stevie slash. Motown tribute.
1: The last Motown tribute on the Grammys was if I don't remember correctly was sung by Jennifer Lopez. So sure this was do a step up from that. that.
2: Yes. Yep. That will was... <laughs> so never forget that when Diana Ross and Smokey Robinson were right there in the room watching like Jennifer Lopez sing Please Mr. Postman. Let's get loud and lo- deep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> I'm going
1: to give Ben Affleck points I think he had one of his best moments In recent Ben Affleck pop cultural history When he sat three inches away from Trevor Noah And refused to even smile at Trevor Noah's jokes Not even a grin Like he maybe gave a half grin But he's just like, I'm not feeling this I, You know what? Vibes are off Everyone vibes are off I'm going to signify it with my face With Ben Affleck's face And I personally <laughs> appreciate a, that
0: A perpetual frown right on his face the entire time, did not want to be there could not have paid him enough to be there and just real miserable
1: mood if you reunite Bennifer that that means you, that Ben Affleck has to go to the Grammys again he forgot that was part of the deal <laughs> you know, I, and he was, I think that's he was pissed why that. I
2: loved Ben Affleck's <laughs> just miserable demeanor the entire time I was like this is part of this narrative arc and I'm, I'm very invested in his narrative arc right now I think it's a beautiful I'm very into Neo Benefer. and so I was like yeah like this kind of happens sometimes can we talk for just a minute about how great Mary J. Blige was oh, 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 oh. it took me a long
0: time to get but now I'm
1: happy to be me. I'm happy to see me. I'm happy to greet me. She was so great. Good. Always she was great.
2: Incredible. So good. She's so taken for granted, just in general, like culturally, musically. Like Mary J. Blige was and I, I feel like this performance, it was like, yeah, just another genius Mary J. Blige performance on live TV. She was absolutely incredible. I thought that was just an inspiring moment.
0: And Randy MC in the tribute, like Mary J. Blige without a bunch of people, <laughs> like also it's just <laughs> totally, it was just her. Totally. It's just her. They just let her sing her song and do her thing in her boots as she should. And it was just, she just sounded amazing. She looked amazing. It's just, I love seeing Mary J and I love any sort of respect she gets. And it was a very good performance and just like a masterclass in singing. Just, she was so good.
1: She sang her own song. She didn't have to sing a U2 song. She was just in her yeah, own No one up zone. on stage
0: with her. Just Mary no.
1: <laughs> ladies it. and gentlemen The needed. Edge and very <laughs> bud.
0: Chris Stapleton saying there's no hateration in this dancery uh, <laughs> I, we I will say
1: Casey Musgrave's a little version of Coal Miner's Daughter was really beautiful quick oh, yeah. moment in memoriam, but really I was
2: like yes it was unexpected and such a genius decision so many great decisions went into this in memoriam but having Casey sing the entire song rather than a snippet from it was so unexpected and yeah that was beautiful. Her playing Loretta Lynn's guitar, and there was just something so perfect about it. I thought the whole in memoriam was really beautifully done. Quavo was another tear-inducing moment.
0: Yeah, that was just so true, so moving and beautiful, and just like with the with the whole like gospel choir behind. It was just so
2: good. The empty chair was so moving. The chain was so moving. Yeah, and the tribute to Christine McVie was. Just beautiful.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, like, final shot of Mick very solemnly hitting the drum, it was just very sweet and touching. And obviously, Bonnie and Cheryl were such a a great choice to sing. Bonnie was not, she was not prepared.
2: (laughs) Bonnie's surprised face, that was a real highlight of the Grammys for me. I love Bonnie's, no way, you're going, no way, you're kidding.
0: Or as she's known by the Daily Mail, unknown blues singer.
2: Unknown blues singer.
1: (laughs) You know what, I'm going to go ahead and say I'm fully for two re- for several reasons but mostly because of the unknown blues singer thing and then also because of that disgusting granny stuff from trevor noah because of those two things i'm gonna say great i'm glad bonnie ray won like just for that
2: and he she was very she humble made a brilliant moment she knew yes and she knew she was like okay nobody was rooting for me to win song of the year nobody was expecting it she was totally unapologetic about it she was totally cool she handled it with all her typical grace it was a great night to be a Bonnie Raitt fan. And yeah. she said
1: she's not even known as a songwriter. That's not her. That's <laughs> not where the usually where the appreciation for her gifts is. A lot of her great stuff is interpretations of other people's songs. But her Letterland, Song of the Year. I'm fine with it. Good. Take that, Trevor Noah. Yeah.
0: Just people were so weird about it. Everyone's just like losing their minds over the Grammys. Like this award show is so bad. And it's just I don't know. I think no, no one I wanted to win won anything. But I was happy for Bonnie. I'm never gonna be mad to see Bonnie Raitt. I've never been mad to see Bonnie Raitt. In my life. I'm just, I was, I'm always going to be pleased for it. and I think that she's always going to be deserving of of whatever she gets.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's so terrible to remind people that there's sometimes a world beyond the young and hot. I think that's okay. But sorry,
2: Rob, you were saying. It was also funny because this was a song that, I'm just guessing that none of the three of us had heard the song, or, or No. I, I certainly No, uh, but it's a good no song. Idea.
1: Excuse me, ma'am, maybe you can help. The directions weren't so
2: clear that this song existed, especially since there were a dozen nominees for the big category. So I barely even noticed this song in the list of nominees. So I just thought Bonnie Raitt's shock was so great. And I love that she didn't do a a bogus fake humility bit. And people forget she's been shocked at Grammy ceremonies for a long time now. She was considered totally washed up and given up by the industry in the 80s. And then she won the Grammys in, in 89 when she swept the night for her Nick of Time album which wasn't even a great 80s Bonnie Raitt album. She is someone who's seen this happen many times before. And I just loved her, her total shock.
1: Well, Grammys, they had them again. What are we going to do? They're (laughs) going to keep keep going on. I predict there'll be another Grammy ceremony next year. It's my strong prediction. (laughs) So we'll hopefully be back to talk about it. Rob would like you to know that you should not care who wins the Grammys. If we make that clearer, do not care. It has never mattered. I take it back. You shouldn't introduce it. It should just be a quote that, you know, it's like when you get a screener and it says your name in big letters across it so you don't pirate it. It should say at the top, none of this matters, dash Rob Sheffield. That's on the top. And then in the bottom right, there should be a little picture in picture head of Ben Affleck reacting to the ceremony every year. Those two things I think would make it better.
2: <laughs> I love it. I
0: love it. To see all the, the biggest artists in one room being fans of each other. That's like the most delight. Like looking at the reactions from people to the hip hop tribute was so beautiful
1: watching jay-z rap along to practically the whole hip-hop tribute just being genuinely joyful was really cool
0: to see like dj khaled with his like lighter up and having the best time like no one was more joyful than dj khaled to be honest for me personally to see taylor swift dance to as it was was thrilling to see lizzo and adele just like sitting and laughing and like kicking in their little table and like
2: dancing to everything it's an excuse for the musical performances and that's the thing it's like it's it's a celebration of fandom and the music moments are what we'll remember. Honestly, it, it's so funny to just talk about this hip hop celebration and the In Memoriam tribute. Where else but the Grammys, would a moment like that play out in the way that yeah. it did?
1: can't hear you, Rob, because I'm listening to the Herbie Hancock album of Joni Mitchell covers. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our show. We'll be back next week. In the meantime... Subscribe to Rolling Stone Music Now wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave us five stars and a nice review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify because that's always appreciated. But as always, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.